Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right, Resurrection Sunday 2021. I've been looking forward to this Sunday. This is one of the best Sundays of the year, as you know, I hope, uh, because what it represents for you and I. And I have a special guest that's going to join me for the, for the message today because this little guest fits in really, really well with the message. <clears throat> I hate sheep, just so you know. I mean, I love figurative sheep. Can talk? No? Anything? She wants to talk, but now she doesn't want to talk. All right, so this is for the kids. And for you men who really pretend to be way tougher than you are, this is for you too, but we won't tell anybody, okay? Yeah, there you go. All right. The title of today's message is Risen Lamb, and it's the series At the Cross. Uh, I love the lyrics to the song we sang this morning. Saturday was silent, uh, surely it was through, but since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? And I know that you might not think about dead bones rattling on Resurrection Sunday because you think, well, Jesus wasn't dead bones. He wasn't dry bones. But Scripture actually records at the death and through the resurrection of Jesus, the saints who had died, likely followers of Jesus who had died during his time of ministry, were raised from the dead. And it doesn't necessarily specify exact numbers, but Scripture records the three significant things that happened when Jesus was crucified on the cross. Is the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That's significant because God tore the temple, the veil, tore the the veil that separated men from His presence. The second thing that was important that happened was there was an earthquake that actually shattered rocks. It split the earth open in places. And the last wonderful and amazing thing that happened in those moments was there were tombs that were opened up. And those who had died, the saints, the Bible says, came out of their graves. Now that's miraculous and amazing. And if you're willing to put your faith in the biblical account, then you can realize what Jesus has done for us in a deeper way this morning. So I'm certain that the words of that song rattle make sense to you on this day in a better way. Jesus is risen and that's what we are celebrating. Yeah, come on. One or two amens. Guys, I got to tell you. We need to be a little more excited about resurrection power. Even my friend agrees. She's saying, amen. That's, that's, what, that's what she's saying. We, took, we picked the girl because she's slightly cuter, I think. But anyways, she's littler. She's not as hard. This is like holding someone's baby, just so you know. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get right to the message this morning. How about? A new day dawned the morning of the resurrection. The women came, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, of whom Jesus had delivered seven demons, came to find the tomb empty. What an amazing reality for them. John the Baptist announced the arrival of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We can read it together, John 1, 29. Now, not John the Baptist writing John 1, 29, but John the Apostle wrote the book of John. So John 1.29 says, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
That pronouncement kicked off three amazing years of miracles, of teaching, signs and wonders, relationship development as disciples followed, and, 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 and more than just the 12 disciples that we think of, but many, hundreds, maybe even thousands of followers that begin to realize Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus, in fact, was the Messiah that had been prophesied so many years before. That's what kicked it off. This phrase, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But before that day, you and I would have all come to temple, come to church the same way. At that particular time of year, each family would have come with a lamb. We would have come because of our sin and our need for cleansing, our need for propitiation, our need to have our our sins and our guilt cleansed from us, and the common gift offered in sacrifice to cleanse man of their sin, are you coming to help? Was a lamb. If you didn't have a lot of money, maybe it was a pigeon or a dove, or maybe you were more into the cattle side of farming, and so you brought a young bull. But the lamb was what came to church with you that weekend. And in a rather graphic but very important symbolism, that lamb was killed. And its blood was sprinkled, its blood was shed. Articles of worship and fellowship were dipped in the blood of the lamb. So that for another year, you could stand rightly with God. I hope the imagery is burning into your mind right now. That this little thing, who has done nothing, who is really quite annoyingly helpless, that will poop and pee on me at some point if this diaper fails. This was worship. This was sacrifice. And it wasn't just any, but the first and the best in most cases. That was how they did it. And it was so important because the sacrificial lamb has its roots long before Jesus came. All the way back through the Old Testament to the day, the first Passover, where the angel of death passed over the homes of the children of Israel, sparing them from the final plague that would deliver them from the hands of Egypt. They killed a lamb and they put its blood over the doorposts of their homes. That blood redeemed a generation in Israel. The blood of a lamb actually goes farther back than that. If you go back to Father Abraham, when he had only one son in his life, the son of promise, the first of many generations. She's not cooperating the way I hoped. The first of many generations. And he felt impressed by God, led by God, commanded by God to offer his only son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. What a horrible request of God to make of man. And yet, in obedience, Abraham followed the will of God, took his son, prepared to sacrifice. And what did the Lord provide? The Lord provided a ram, a sheep, caught in a thicket right beside where they were. And so Isaac was spared because a lamb took its place. 
You think maybe that was the first time, but I'm here to tell you it wasn't the first time that a lamb was offered. You see, right back in the very beginning in the book of Genesis, Abel offered the firstlings of his flock to the Lord. And that offering pleased the Lord. And you say, well, that surely was the first time that a sacrifice was made that pleased God, by God, for God, but it's not. All the way back to when Adam and Eve sinned and realized that they were naked, the Bible records that the Lord took and killed animals to give them clothes. You see, right from the very beginning, the sacrifice, the atonement in sacrifice has been a part of the story of Jesus. And all too often, we think in terms of modern day, or we think about Easter eggs and bunnies and all the other things that are wonderful parts of the celebration that I'm really not going to have a, I'm not going to contend with anyone over those things. But the reality is, is the lamb is so significant. This lamb is maybe the most significant thing that has ever happened to the world. And so Jesus came like one of these for us. Jesus came like one of these for us. Year after year, the blood was shed. Year after year, the sins of the people were covered. Year after year, ingrained in the traditions of the people of Israel, patterned through the ages to create for us an opportunity to understand what God has been doing for us all along. Humanism, on the other hand, is for our purposes today going to be defined as it's going to be defined as man's, mankind's attempt to be the self-appointed answer for the world's problems, which creates a problem because mankind is the source of the world's problems. The humanity worships itself and says, we can make it right, we can make a way, we can offer the sacrifice, we can make things right again if we try. But the reality has always been that's not the case. Because one who is stained by guilt cannot be a perfect sacrifice. So Jesus came as one of us. And you say to yourself, well, I know, Pastor Trav, Jesus came as one of us. John chapter 1 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It does. But what you're forgetting is that you and I are also sheep. We're also lambs. Born into this world, helpless, pitiful, needy, totally reliant. It makes me think of the scripture that says, you think yourselves rich, but truly, you're blind, you're naked, you're wretched, you're poor. You're helpless, you're hopeless. You're carnal. You're unholy. You're in need of a savior. See, this is our reality. We are the lambs. We are the lambs, we're the helpless ones, we are the sheep. We're the ones who drown in the water we're supposed to be drinking. We're the ones who are consuming until there is nothing left. And if you've ever managed sheep, you know what I'm talking about. We are unaware, like sheep, of the impacts of our selfish ambitions. Thinking ourselves wise, we become 
fools. And so God incarnate, Jesus the Christ, comes as one of us. A lamb of God. No, a lamb from God, capable of bearing our sin and shame, but not only in carrying it, in permanently defeating it. Now, it's rather ironic, if you ask me, that the world has been won by something as simple as a lamb. I mean, I enjoy church this way because I look up behind the screen and I see that, that rather majestic-looking lion. And I think, man, we're worshiping the God who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And yeah, we are. Come on. He is mighty to save. He is strong in battle. He upholds the righteous by his strong right hand. He is good. He is wise. He is kind. But Scripture also calls Jesus the Lamb. And that's what brings us to the cross, is a lamb. And the cross is miraculous and amazing, and even though its, even though it's horror is so real, it proves the virtuous nature of God. The terrible irony of innocence being sacrificed in the place of knowledgeable wickedness. Knowable wickedness. Seems ironic to me. But nonetheless, the Lamb brings us to the cross. And that cross is, well, the symbol of God's unfailing love, His agape love for mankind, for a world that turns from Him, a world that even turns against Him. See, the Bible says in Romans 5.8 that God clearly shows and proves his love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sunis Tao. Sunis Tao is the Greek word for that proves. Properly, it means to stand together, referring to facts lining up with one another to support the truth. God doesn't just prove his love for us. He proves it in a legal sense. He shows it. He reproves it. He verifies it thoroughly. Oh, you're hot. See, God doesn't just prove it to prove a point. God doesn't just prove a point in the cross and in the resurrection. But by all of Scripture, he proves who he says he is. And this is important to understand. He proves that all Scripture lines up in that way through all the generations, through all the times, through all the tragedies, through all the victories, through all the defeats, and it all culminates of, in this new place of life in Christ. A stone rolled away, a tomb found empty. Women being the first to find the risen Lord. 
The disciples running, dashing, tumbling over each other to try to get there first, to find out if it's true. All the way to Thomas, who stood in a room and said, I will not believe until I put my fingers in the wounds in Jesus' hands and until I place my hand in the wound in his side. And he got to. He got to. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want to read to you from the book of Revelation. And if you're willing to, without emailing me 5,000 times in the next three weeks about end times doctrine, eschatology, (laughs) if you would just do a little study, because I think you'll enjoy it. But all the times the words lamb is used in the book of Revelation. It gives me chills. More than the signs, more than the end times, what gives me the chills and the thrills is the Lamb of God. This is what it says in Revelation 5, 1 to 14. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. Then I began to weep deeply because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to be able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and break its seals, for you were slaughtered. Now now listen to this. And you purchased people for God with your blood from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have made them into a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Angels exalt the Lamb. Then I looked and I heard the voices of many angels around the throne of the living creatures and elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And I heard every every created thing which is in heaven, or on the earth, or under the earth, or in the sea, and all of the things in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing, the glory, the honor, and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures were saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mark the beginning of something amazing. This morning, I want to say to you, not only behold the Lamb of God who has taken away your sin, but behold the Lamb who is worthy 
Behold the Lamb who has dominion forever. Behold the Lamb who reigns and who rules in majesty and glory and honor and power forever. Behold the Lamb of God who has raised you to life. Behold the Lamb of God who speaks life into your existence day by day. Behold the Lamb of God who has given you his spirit so that you can walk in authority in this world. Behold the Lamb of God who is making things new and right in your life. Behold the Lamb of God who day by day strengthens your soul and lifts your head. Behold the Lamb of God who brings joy to your heart. Behold the Lamb of God who prays for you, who makes intercession for you. Behold the Lamb of God who loves your children. Behold the Lamb of God whose arm is not too short to save. Behold the Lamb of God who took whipping and beating on himself to pay for your sickness. Behold the Lamb of God who wore a crown of thorns and was mocked so he could know the shame and the reproach that you bear sometimes. Behold the Lamb of God who was born perfect, sinless, spotless, without fault, without blame, totally innocent, but who at the cross became spotted and dirty taking on the impurities of all the sin for all the time. Behold the Lamb, though, who for once and all put it in the ground. Behold the Lamb of God who holds the keys to life. Behold the Lamb of God who has crushed the head of Satan. Behold the Lamb of God. How much more can I tell you? I could go on for hours telling you about the things in Scripture that Jesus has done for you and hours more telling you from my personal testimony the things Jesus has done for me. But I want you to behold this Lamb this morning not because this Lamb is anything special other than it was created by God. And because it's God's creation, it has intrinsic value. It is wonderful and sweet. But I want you to look at this lamb that I've been packing around for this message this morning. Not because I want to manipulate your emotions, but because I want you to understand the imagery of the one that we worship. There is a lamb of God. And only he is worthy to open the scroll. And the only way for you to enter heaven and know your heavenly Father is for your name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. A lamb is not just a symbol of sacrifice. It's a symbol of triumph. It's a symbol of victory. It's a symbol of peace. A lamb is a symbol of hope. A lamb is a symbol of purity and holiness. So behold the Lamb of God, the risen Lamb of God. Okay, Annika, my arm's too sweaty now. Okay, Mara, you're up.
Thai lamb. It has a name. I don't know what it is. Now, if it was a cow, we'd be having a different conversation. Guys, because Jesus, the risen lamb, is worthy, you and I are worthy. You and I are worthy, and we are sheep. And so because we are sheep, we needed a sheep to be the sacrifice for us in the same way that we are human beings and we needed God to become a human to cover our sin. Because the lamb is also the good shepherd, you and I are called to be shepherds of God's people. Don't let the miracles be lost on you. You're saved by a lamb. I've told you I don't like sheep that much, and honestly, I don't like having sheep on my farm, but you know what I do like? Is that when I sit there and look at them and process their existence, my understanding of everything God says in his word about sheep comes to a new light. And understanding what it means to be a shepherd or even a good shepherd makes more sense. So I go from not liking them and not wanting them around to being very tolerant of my daughter's growing sheep herd. Because I actually love the lamb. (laughs) I love the lamb of God. And yeah, I'm all into the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I'm all into the one who, who bears righteousness in his hand and truth and justice and, and has a, a two-edged flaming sword coming out of his mouth riding on a white horse. Yeah, I love all of that imagery. But at the end of the day, the one that I love is a lamb. Because that lamb took my place. And he took your place. And the good news is that it brings me to the cross, but even more, it brings me beyond the cross. I want to invite you to stand. For the next couple weeks, we're going to close our services with this passage of Scripture. It's found in Galatians chapter 2. And I'd like us to read it together. In fact, this morning as I was finishing up my my notes on this message, I was like, if I get a tattoo, I think this would be my tattoo. I want you to meditate and think about this verse through the series. Because the reality is, is the death and resurrection of Jesus was the start of something, not just the end of something. And as we talk through the reality of coming to the cross, this series called At the Cross, we're going to talk about all of the things that Jesus has done for us, but more importantly, what our response ought to be moving forward from that point. So why don't you read this together with me, all together. Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Can we read that one more time? Because this should be a memory verse for the church. Let's read it together one more time. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This morning, you might not have a relationship with God and it is a very simple thing to do. You just have to give up. You have to give up control. You have to give up your way to become a follower of Jesus. You have to bend your will to him. And when you bend your will to him and put your faith in him, the Bible says something miraculous happens. There's something known as a spirit of adoption in scripture. And that spirit of adoption encompasses you and brings you in to the body of Christ. The Spirit of God, who is the one drawing you, brings you in, and as we talked about the last three weeks, baptizes you into Jesus. Just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And you can have that happen to you this morning. You can leave this place with the assurance that you are saved and known by God, loved by Him, and called by the name of His Son, Jesus Christ doesn't matter if you're here or if you're at home. You can still pray. You can still bend your will. You can still ask him right now to become your Lord and the one who saves you. If you do that this morning, I'd really like to know about it. So I'd like you to tell one of our leaders or email us and let us know what's happened because we want to walk with you. But now because it's Resurrection Sunday, we're going to close church on more of a celebratory note. I love the fact that when Jesus gave his life on the cross, there was a tearing of the temple, the tearing of the veil in the temple. I love that there was a rock-shattering earthquake, but I think most of all, I love that the resurrection power of Jesus was immediately, someone say immediately, it was immediately felt in the earth. And so those who had been following Jesus, their bones rattled. And if it was anything like in the book of Ezekiel, flesh came on those bones. There was a rattling, and there was flesh that came on the bones, and up stood an army. Father, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you will guide us into the amazing mystery and wonder of all that you've said to us. And Lord, as we have yielded our lives to you once again, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us plainly. Lord, help us to understand. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. Bring to our remembrance all that Jesus said for us. And let us walk in your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.